0: Hello and welcome to the Thanksgiving special of the Carbide Content Podcast, uh, the only podcast that will teach you how to machine those buckles on pilgrim hats. Uh, as you probably already know, Grant is banned from all Thanksgiving activities, so he's not here today. I'm David from Contraption Collection.
1: I'm Dalen from MachineWise.
2: And I'm John from Triaxis.
0: <laughs> that was my <the> intro. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. We also have Did to say was, like what collets we're thankful for.
2: Stuff uh, yeah. like that. ER16 collets, hundred percent Yeah, my uh, <laughs> ER ER11, the one eighth ones. I buy those by the uh, <laughs> truckloads. That's a good choice. That's yeah I guess
1: the collet goes bad every time you break an eighth inch mill. Yeah. What is uh-huh. it? What is
2: it with that? That's so annoying. I don't
1: know. It's really annoying. I'm I am i was at it in the three sixteens.
2: It's got these chips on it, and you're just like, well, yeah fifteen dollars or whatever yeah
0: whatever my next machine is i kind of want to try to get away from collets because i just don't want to have to clean three different parts every time i change a tool
1: yeah Uh, they have i wish i wish you luck i mean yeah i've been swapping to hydraulics for a lot of my like critical stuff but uh er 16s or er collets in general definitely have a a nice versatile place in the shop
2: yeah i don't honestly mind cleaning them that much i yeah. just like take them apart blow them out and then run my finger on the the tapers and stuff and make sure like shine light through the collet itself make sure there's no chips and then
1: yeah.
0: slap it all back together right yeah, yeah i do the same thing do, do you think it'd be bad to try to use set screw holders for eighth inch end mills
1: oh uh, uh, it shouldn't be okay or eighth inch roughen- shank I, roughen- like- I think it'd be fun I haven't used set screw holders in so long that I, I really don't know how the run-out is these days. Supposedly, there should be a really good runout.
0: Yeah, Yeah, Saunders did a test a while ago. Okay. Um, but even if there is run-out, it's, like, way easier to adjust because it's just a set screw.
1: But you don't want um uh, maybe.
0: Because you, you undo the set screw and just turn the tool around uh, instead of... I mean, you know, you still um. might want to tap it or do other stuff, but... Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you check the runout on your tools, David? Um, most of the time, no. On my probe, I like scratched a little mark on the, uh, the spindle because there's no alignment method to be consistent with the Tormach. Yeah. So on the probe, I try to always do it in the same spot. And then on occasion, I've like experimented. But it's just not there's not like a way to guarantee it every time um that i know of i don't know maybe the tool if the tool changer is crazy accurate or something maybe it helps but um yeah i i i I don't really worry about it most of the time even though it'd be good if i could
2: yeah i think i checked to like run out once for a G Wiz type thing and i was like i'm never doing that again that was a lot of work
1: (laughs) yeah i I, I don't check run out on all my critical tools anymore. Cause they're all in hydraulics.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but back when I was only using ER 16s, I would check run out on, on some tools. And, uh, I had some that were upwards of 4,000 run out. jams. Well, how big yeah. a tool? Uh, what was that on? That was probably on a, either a three sixteenths or an eighth inch. I don't use big tools. My largest end mill is quarter inch. So the same,
0: that's, that's the thing is like, if it's a 16th inch tool, which is what I use for a lot of stuff, you know, the, the runout could be higher than the chip load sometimes, and so, you know, I probably should pay more attention to it and just check that it's not crazy. Because sometimes I have like weird behavior with wear, and I wonder like, oh, did it cut big this time? Because maybe I put it in the machine, like at the maximum point of runout, and so it's taking, you know, if I'm trying to dial in tenths, um, but I I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's, yeah, that's, it's that's harder a on a Tormach thing. too because it's not a taper tool holder. It's just a standard C eight or C seven call it on a, what three quarter inch shank.
0: Yeah. I like using a, yeah, it's R R eight. eight. That's what it is. Um, I like using the set screw holders for like quarter inch tools. Tormach doesn't make the smallest they make is like, uh, maybe three I don't, I don't even know if there's three sixteen. I, I, I can't remember it. I've, probably have one think set up. I it was a quarter was. inch. I don't
1: remember anymore because I tried buying some, some set screw ones way back for my Tormach and I couldn't really get a lot of ones I wanted.
0: Yeah, I don't know why they don't make like an eighth inch set screw holder. Um, it would be also nice for like coolant and stuff. Um, but uh, I, I've never had problems even though like none of my tools have weld on flats or anything and I've never really had issues with them pulling out um, except for the time that I had tried like a a uh, tool that had like three inches of flutes and was taking like the full length. Right. That might. Oh, I don't even you. remember if that was in a set screw or a collet. Um, but otherwise, I've never really had things pull out.
1: Yeah. Um, actually, I that was, might
0: have pulled out of the whole R8. That might not have even pulled out of the tool holder. That might have pulled the whole R8. Yeah.
1: Yep. I've only had tool pull out once on all my machines so far, and it was actually in a hydraulic holder. Yeah. That w- was it. The the T slot or the. No, actually. So, which I mean, that's what makes me even more surprised is, um, because I did have I had a milling chuck that I put my my titanium keyway cutter in. Yeah, and uh, it didn't have enough force and it spun it in that in that in that milling chuck and it ruined the shank of the keyway cutter and it ruined that $400 milling chuck. Yeah, I think (laughs) that was awesome. Um, but I threw that into a hydraulic. It's been great. But I did manage to pull out a quarter inch aluminum uh, three flute end mill out of a hydraulic holder because I was just rubbing too hard. Oh, Oh,
0: you might have told me. Yeah, you were going like 300 inches a minute or something.
1: I was doing something silly like. God, What was it? It was half inch depth of cut. It actually turned into more like a five eighths depth of cut because it got pulled out and it was something like. 60 or 70 thou radial at like 300 300 inches a minute.
0: Oh my a god.
1: Nice, <laughs> a nice 150% spindle load. Well, uh, that's crazy. And the only reason the end broke is because it started rubbing the shank because it pulled it out so far.
0: Yeah, I mean with the tool, it's only a quarter inch. i would surprised it even puts that much spindle load. You'd think it would just take all the flutes off.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, I was just blown away that it pulled out of a hydraulic holder. I never thought I'd see the day where I Succeeded in that task.
2: Hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. Right. This week yeah. was the first week in like six months that I've checked run out on the probe. <laughs> how how good, good or bad was it? Um. So, I don't know. Like a either a year ago or like six months. I don't. Timelines are weird now. Yeah. I was like, I'm just gonna run the probe at full rapid, like like tool change full rapid, because I've heard uh-huh. some some people are like, you don't want to tool change it at full speed because it'll mess because I guess the probes like basically a strain gauge it'll mess the the gauge up or whatever I'm not really sure but I'm like no I think it'll be fine because I'm like looking through the manual when I was doing all this like the checking the last couple weeks and like trying to get the you know just tool path measuring dialed in Mm -hmm. and there's nothing that I could find in the manual that basically like spits out do not feed this at a certain, do not, uh, what's the word? There is a feed rate limit, but it doesn't say anything about limiting the handling speed of the probe. So maybe that's exactly the same thing, but I'm like, that'd be fine. So it was only four tenths out, which is pretty good because I I honestly do not remember the last time I actually did run out on it. And I've been using like a vector ball calibration which supposedly, and I've only heard this from other people, and it's also not in the manual. But if you do that, the runout is less important because mm-hmm. the vector ball actually takes like the entire radius of the ball into account. It does like 32 touches or something.
1: Yep. Yeah, and it rotates the spindle. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. yeah.
2: Yeah. And a tool change causes it to go in the exact same orientation as it was caled in. So I'm like,
1: it's
0: probably fine.
1: Yeah. but
0: Well, if there's runout, but then you like go around a hole, or you go on the inside of a hole, the runout should cancel out because the error on one side will be the opposite of the area on the other side, right? If you, you mean if like you calibrate it with a ring gauge? Well, not even if you calibrate it, just the runout could be uh, you know, two thou and it's a quarter inch hole you're probing. And so it'll add two thou to one side, but it's going to be subtracting two thou from the other side. Am, am I wrong?
1: That would shift it. It, it would shift the, uh, the positional measurement. I
2: don't really know. Honestly, I don't think not, the center
1: line is, is I, the
0: ball. I thought, I thought the error cancels out. It's only when you're doing just like, if you're just probing one side of a part, then, uh, then obviously the error matters. Uh, but if you're finding the center, I don't know. Well, it's, I don't know. <laughs> now I'm doubting myself, and I guess it's good that I that's the one thing I do pay attention to run out
2: on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, because no. the, the default haws inspection plus stuff that the shot comes with that's like already loaded in the machine, the calibration cycle is not the vector probe one or the vector ball one. It's just the basic, uh, like, XY touch off. And so you actually have to go into the macro itself and change the calibration program it pulls up. But all you literally have to do is change the program number inside the macro and it'll change to the vector ball. It's not like you have to do anything crazy.
1: And I was like, why is this not default? (laughs) That's what I was wondering. That's odd because so the default one doesn't rotate the spindle and do a bunch of touches.
2: I can't remember if it rotates the spindle, but it does not do a full the full touches it only does an actual uh, y and x touch from what i can remember i mean it's been over two years since i changed it okay
1: yeah okay
2: it's not default which is interesting because the vector ball um the actual calibration when you use it you can use literally every single um probing routine that the inspection plus software comes with but if you don't there's a couple you can't actually use because it has to have that that radius data, I guess, to use some of the inspection stuff. Okay. Which is interesting. There's a lot of interesting inspection. Uh, what do you call it? Programs in there that you wouldn't think actually exist. There's one for like checking on even stock too,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: actually changing Z heights based on like an average. If the yep. stock is like got a weird paper uh, or something to it,
0: but. Mm-hmm.
2: So you yeah, you're I'm talking
0: hard. about, um, you're talking about if uh, like the limits of how fast you can feed it, like if you can rapid it.
2: Yeah, there is a there is a rating in there for something. I, I feel
0: like like uh, I feel like it would experience a lot of like stop and start G forces during a tool change, especially on other machines, maybe. But even your machine, like do you put it in the tool carousel? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it stays feel, it lives I, in the machine. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I feel like it likes, you know, shifting 90 degrees and then whipping around, you know, that's got to be like, a you know, some pretty strong forces, I would think.
2: Yeah, from the little amount of reading and the little amount of information that's actually out there, it seems to be, because of the way the probe actually works internally, that the biggest thing is if you keep it held horizontally with weight on the end of it because of the way the actual strain gauge in it works, I guess. So supposedly if you have it on a horizontal machine and it lives sideways all the time, then you should calibrate it more often than if you had it in like a normal tool carousel that's vertical because I guess the actual weight from gravity will cause it to drift over time or something. But then at the same time, the probe tip that I'm using is like, maybe it's probably a quarter of the weight of the factory one, too. Yeah, it's a
1: tiny little ball,
2: yeah. So, but I like, I basically use the ring gauge on it like once a week, anyways, when the, the machine's warmed up because it's super easy to do, yeah. And I'm mm-hmm. like, run out, that's overrated. <laughs> I was surprised it was only out four tenths actually over like over six months. That's solid, yeah,
0: but yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're making more knives this week? Uh I haven't made more
2: since the last podcast. The two I was supposed to have done were going to be done, but I'm still staring at them. <laughs> the well I saw a
0: lot of cool looking parts just a minute ago.
2: Yeah. So those are actually those should be yeah, they'll be they'll be done at some point. I'm not gonna give them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, no. I, I understand I, that completely. Um one of the ones, the the bluish ones. That was going to leave last week, but what happened was the belt, the belt grinder, I was putting an edge on it and I didn't notice, but I like just kissed the, the bevelette right on the edge of the belt. And I didn't notice and I'm like staring at it and I'm like, what is this mark from? And I was like, oh no. And so it has like that fine stone or whatever on it. Mm -hmm. And that's like a many hour tumble. (laughs) It has the edge on it. And I was like, do it again? Do I send it out or do I retumble the entire thing? So it's been tumbling for like 12 hours now. Oh, geez. Yeah. And that was the one I posted yesterday that has like the two tone finish on it. Kind of. Yep. Yep. It was that one. And I was like, I'm going to duct tape the edge and hopefully I can save it. Because obviously (laughs) if you if you retumble it, it's going to knock the the point. The edge off yeah so, yeah blades just continue to be the biggest headache in the world
1: oh yeah I'm yeah. tumbling real quick um how often do you grease your 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 bearings on the on the tumbler
2: so I have an hour meter and the hour meter went out like 25 hours ago I have no idea okay. why a cheap amazon hour meter i guess yep I don't have one for mine so yeah the manual says 100 hours, hours and then the manual also says don't it they make it sound very scary to grease. The I thing. know. Yeah, I would just if you're running it, you know, over 12 hours a day, I'd probably grease it every 20 days or a month. But yeah, the I, manual I, also says if you can hear it, then you should grease it. And I'm like, well, if you well, can I, hear the bearings, this, isn't it a little bit too late stuff. at that
1: point? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Like, I guess. Yeah, I'm I do not, mine maybe once a month. Maybe.
2: Yeah, you're you're probably fine then.
1: I mean, yeah, I had that, it might. It might be a little bit less than that. I just kind of do it when I remember. Yeah,
2: then it just says like one one shot of grease or whatever through there.
1: Yep. I mean but... every shop I've seen that has one of these tumblers, they put them outside where they just get rusty, and they don't maintain it at all, and it just works still. So. Yeah, and you can buy
2: the you can buy the entire drivetrain from them anyways. Yeah, if you had to, and it's really not
0: that expensive as far as. No. You you God. have a CM top line, uh, Dalen,
1: right? It's a uh, Mister Deber. D300 yeah 300 or something is that, a that CM same,
0: top same same brand yeah i don't know what's that
1: is mr deeper a cm top line
0: yeah yeah i think so okay um and what do you have john same thing yeah
1: yeah oh, same one yeah. same as grant too actually yeah.
0: <laughs> we're very original
1: yep it's like we all have the same sharpener I, yeah.
0: I was consider. i was i keep thinking maybe i should get one of those two even though i
1: have such a
0: simple edge
1: Oh, the sharpener? Yeah, yeah. My God. I'm not sure if it would. I just don't know if it'll fit your needs. I don't think you can get a steep enough angle for what you need on it.
0: Oh, I didn't think about that. See, the only thing that's annoying about uh, what I have is the platen I hold it at an angle at. um, You can't, like, raise it as high as I want to. So I end up kind of, like, not being able to use the entire belt on the horizontal okay 70 and so i could just make a little fixture that i you know i already have a little fixture for it so i could just make like a a thicker one or mm-hmm. something and some people were saying i should make one that's like at an angle so that i use the whole belt at once instead of like little strips okay i think i might consider that but i'm a little worried about how the clearances would work out and i don't want to accidentally like bump parts yeah. that aren't supposed to be sharpened yeah right um and it just would be more complicated of thing to make, so I haven't felt like it's a priority now since what I'm doing does work. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, was there was there anything else on the subject we were talking about? I can talk about the plate bending stuff I was doing.
1: Yeah, I'm curious about how that's going. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So um, I've I've kind of gone back and forth with lots of different ideas on how to bend the the blades and right now i'm bending them after hardening yep you know at at like between 50 and 55 rockwell and i was like originally messing with a vice for a long time and then i started trying different things with arbor press um and i started trying to model stuff for uh uh a kind of curve to make for the arbor press and I realized like I, I have like some carved smart jaws that already have like a dovetail in them. Mm-hmm. I should just try milling an arc into, into them. And I, so I did, I made a couple of jaws that have like an eight inch diameter. And what I did is I, I like bent some blade on the arbor press and tried to like hold a ruler at the same time <laughs> and see like, okay, I guess it's like a half inch of bend. Yep. Um, and so I did something like that infusion uh but rounded it to an even number of uh it actually eight inch radius mm-hmm. um and uh and that creates like five thousand bend even though it seems like a lot uh it just takes the blade past its elasticity point i guess or uh sorry you know it goes to plastic deformation mm-hmm. and so it just makes like the tiniest amount of bend where you can put like Maybe a five or six thou shim under it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I made some uh this week that have a 20 thou bend. Sorry, not 20 thou. Uh, they create a 20 thou bend. So now I went from eight inch radius in the curve to six inches.
1: That's a big difference.
0: And uh, it is in terms of like you think two inches is a big difference, but it's really only like um like an eighth of an inch difference in terms of height. Like I said, I tried to measure, okay. uh, half an inch. Now the, like from the, the peak to the lowest point, it's like thou or something. Okay. So it's actually only m- m- bending it like an eighth inch more. Um, and that's like the, that's the steepest I could do until I've ordered uh thicker jaw stock. Cause, uh, if I, if I went any further, I wouldn't have anything to hold on to. Or, yeah. Well, I guess I could uh, clamp onto the dovetail, but uh, I didn't want to risk that. Right. Um, I don't know. I could probably figure something out. Uh, but anyway, so it makes 20 thou bend uh, instead of 5 thou bend going to the 6 inch. And so kind of my prediction is that, uh, you know, getting to that eight inches is like, uh, you know, the breaking point where it starts to permanently deform. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like there's smaller and smaller amounts of, of distance I have to go. And so I think six inches is pretty close to what I want, like 20,000 is what I want. Um, but I did tell you that I, I, I was just testing it on some blades. I just got back from heat treat that had tabs on them. Yeah. Um, I sent some blades that I knew, would be uh, scrap anyway, mm-hmm. um, but I I wanted to be able to test things like this, and so I just tried doing these bend tests on a blade that still had the tabs, and I'm curious to see uh, how much more they bend without the tabs on them, because you know, it, it, it the blade shape can't really perfectly fit in this curve either way. Right. Um, but you raised something, uh, you raised the question of where's the bend happening and i do worry it's hard to tell and measure these things but i do worry that it's bending more at the the kind of neck area um and so i wonder if i should like make a more complex curve shape where it's like steeper towards the tip of the blade and like less steep well i don't know the thickest part is like you know where it connects to the the pivot of the scissors so maybe that would need to be steeper maybe i'm not sure I've yeah. kind of rambled on. Maybe I should ask, let you ask a question or tell me to move on or something.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's, hmm. I, there's definitely promise here. I think I'm hoping that it, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the results on an, like, you know, on a finished one.
0: I think, uh, I think it'll be more consistent and I think it'll be good to, I could have just like cut the sharper curve into the jaws I already had, but I think it'll be good to kind of be able to potentially go back and forth.
1: Yeah,
0: Uh, uh, or uh, yeah, I don't know, but uh, I should have done this a long time ago, probably instead of having to write lies so much on like my eyes and shims and surface plates and stuff like that, right to try to just go back and forth Mm -hmm. between the Arbor Press and, and what I was doing on a surface plate.
1: Yep. Hopefully this is the uh the final little bit that you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I uh with these blades I got back, you can see in, in the picture they're they're uh they're very like brown and gold or
1: yeah, I was gonna ask who did the who did the heat tree on that one.
0: So this time I tried Byington, which I've tried Phoenix and I've tried Byington. And uh uh Byington's definitely for doing small batches of things is, is going to be cheaper and probably faster because I think they are trying to target people like me Mm -hmm. Um, or, you know, knife makers who are just doing some more personal stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like the very first batch I did with them was super clean, but the very first batch I did with them, uh, I don't even think I tumbled. So I'm wondering if, there's just like oil or something that I didn't clean off. And that makes a, a worse finish. Cause I thought it's supposed to be a vacuum furnace. So I thought there, there shouldn't really be any. Yeah I, would have expected,
1: yeah. I wouldn't have expected that. I mean, if it's a vacuum furnace, maybe their vacuum was lacking.
0: Well, like I said, I feel like the first time I worked with them, it was really good. It's odd. Uh, so I feel like it might be my fault. Like if, if it's just, I, uh, I was using simple green to, clean parts for a while but i stopped because i was told uh by my anodizer to just let them do it because i was worried that stuff i read about simple green that it can damage aluminum Mm -hmm. um and so i I think it's possible i don't know i try to wash parts like all sorts of different parts in the process but i don't know maybe i didn't really do a good job or or even forgot to to try to clean off the gunk from the tumbler i mean i'm sure I, i rinsed it in water definitely but i don't know if i used soap
1: I mean, maybe my standards are just too high, but if you offer a service and the end result is dependent on how clean they are beforehand, I feel like it's their job to make sure that cleaning is part of their process. But I don't know. Yeah. Maybe my- I I think
0: I want to email or call them about it because yeah, I really don't know what to expect because I've gotten right. so many different results with so many different myself and other people heat treating things yep um and I'm trying to do stuff special like I, I you know I I asked and made sure that they would do less than 55 Rockwell uh-huh. you know because I knew it would be weird and so I did and they're like are you sure that's kind of soft and I was like nah
1: that's that's what I'm doing yeah, right now that's what we're looking for was your first batch with them a higher Rockwell it was. Maybe so it's something the, the tempering. tempering. Maybe they, yeah, it, yeah, higher temper, temperature or something did weird things to the color. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Interesting. I, uh, and, and like I said with Phoenix, it was happening too. With Phoenix at first, I was like, wow, these are perfect. But then it turns out that they had, uh, bead blasted the blades. Uh uh-huh. And so. Uh And that was partially because I was having them do weird fixturing in the oven.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but blades from Phoenix had discoloration as well. Uh If they weren't blasted, which is why I'm saying that maybe I should be getting a blasting cabinet.
1: Hmm. You had are stuff they... from
0: Phoenix. Did, what did, did it come out nice? Yeah, and Yeah. Had...
1: Yeah, no, they, the, the, all the Prisma trainer blades that I had them heat treat are, Perfect, pretty much. um Do you feel like at they are bead of finish, blasted? Definitely not. No, are you sure? Hundred percent, ninety nine point okay. nine percent. Hmm. Yeah, they definitely do not look bead blasted. Maybe they like soda blasted it or something, but even then, I don't think they did.
0: Well, do you think soda blasting would get rid of the discoloration?
1: It might. I don't know for sure, though. I mean, people soda blast to get rid of rust sometimes, so I feel like it would get rid of any any slight discoloration, but I don't think they blasted them at all, especially for the price that it was. Like, it was so cheap, there's no way they had someone blasting all those blades.
0: Hmm. Any thoughts, John?
2: Uh, I don't know about removing discoloration from heat treated stuff, but I'm would it assume you could blast it with, like, aluminum oxide, but definitely get
0: rid of it. Does, uh, your stuff come out of the oven pretty clean? Yeah, it comes out, like, white.
1: Yep, that's how mine are.
0: Yeah, I think the only problems I've had doing it myself is is probably because I'm putting the bags in for two. Well, you're saying you're doing that too, John. Yeah. That you, that you would leave them the whole warm-up cycle, not put them in after it reaches the temperature. Cause, yeah. Because we were talking about having, Grant was telling me that I might be having bag failures. Yeah, are you buying the bags or are you making them yourself? I'm, I, I started buying them, Yeah. Yeah. I've I'm only sure. made them like twice and then I was like, this sucks. I'm gonna just spend them. <laughs> yeah. They are so expensive though, but um
1: Do you buy them from Master just... still? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um keep trying to reach out to uh Century Co. Or yeah, uh Vacpack, Century Co, I think they're the same company or something. It took me like almost a year of like weekly contact until they finally responded to me, but they're like two dollars a bag if you buy them through them. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's it's an insane cost savings. Yeah,
2: I'm just like, all you have to do is you put put like a Shopify page, you get some. I don't know, some kid who wants right. to do it.
1: it's like, yeah, they they just don't care about the smaller customers, I don't think I guess. But it's crazy, though, because like for
0: that product, I, I don't know, I feel like I would have thought that it is a lot of small customers because yeah right i feel like larger places customers. would just pay someone with the giant vacuum oven
1: or have one themselves or something yeah
0: so it's it's very strange yeah uh, Maybe I, I just think. like supporting mcmaster because yeah right <laughs> yeah i just uh
2: use the bags for mcmaster so it's just uh and then i put two folds in it but when i do a fold i'll crease it with Something against an old surface grinding vice so that it's a really sharp edge.
1: Yep.
0: Yeah. So
2: I'll crease it and then I'll fold it and then I'll actually fold it over and actually make sure that's completely flat, I guess, by rolling like a piece of aluminum round bar over it and making okay. sure it's I'm over over explaining this. I'm making sure it's really flat on each yep. end and then doing yep. it twice and they never
0: fail. I think yep. on the last one I did, I tried to crease it as best I could with, like, um, I have this, like, thing that's, like, a shoemaking tool that's kind of looks like the head of a hammer with no ha- with no handle, mm-hmm. uh, okay. but it's, like, super rounded. And so it just is, like, a smooth hammerhead you can use to, like, rub stuff and yeah. steel. Oh. Um, so I'll, I'll use that, and then I'll, like, crimp it—or not crimp it, but, like, smush it in a vise— um, but I, you know, maybe I should, and I'll do like three folds, uh, cause, uh, I have, my blades are an awkward size. So the blade, the bags are kind of long, so I'll do three folds that are like a quarter inch each, um, maybe a little more. Uh, but then the last step I'll do the vice. Maybe I should try like each, each fold, do the vice or something.
2: Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't do more than two cause I would guess that if you start to go over, you can start to what's the word it's kind of like you you're overdoing it and what's happening is maybe that third one is this is probably not what's happening but what could be happening is like that third one is causing it to like wrinkle the other two in some way or what I imagine is happening is you're not are they are the blades like sharp do they have sharp
0: edges like or anything I mean, I'll tumble them before I heat treat, so okay, oh, yeah, yeah not, so they then. should be
2: fine then. So it's probably not that. I don't know. Like you, you know, when you have a bag puncture, because if I have like a sharp corner or something, it'll be black on that corner, but it won't extend anywhere else. It'll just make yep. that corner dark.
1: Yep. But on
2: the blade or the back? On the blade. But what happens is because it vacuums so well from starting at a low temperature that. It's basically sealed around the blade, and it doesn't get black anywhere else. It'll just be on the corner that's punctured. No, that
0: of. is what's happening to me, is is it's not the entire blade, but it's clear, you know, it's like a third of the blade is crazy colors or pretty dark. Hmm. So air's getting it, or I just worry if, like, there's too much air in, you know? Like, I try to kind of, you know... Make it sort of flat, like not let it bulge up while I'm trying to do the folds or something.
2: Yeah, why don't you try, how much uh, how much uh, talcum powder are you putting in her baby powder? I don't know, I try to like coat it kind of, I guess. Uh, so what I'm doing is I'm literally putting a, a, I don't even know, like if you could pinch the amount between two fingers, that's how much I'm putting in there. It's like basically zero okay oh the world maybe, maybe i could be putting thing. too
0: much is huh. is baby powder and, and to be clear because i i mentioned this in a video i think i am using actual talc i'm not yeah. using cornstarch based baby powder yep because yep. that did, didn't work i did, did check that just to be just as a curiosity and yeah don't use the cornstarch why don't stuff. You? I,
2: why don't you do like a AB where you have one that has no powder in it and one that has an extremely low amount of powder and one that has a ton in it and see what gets you the results and make sure you fold them exactly all the same. And then just, yeah. compare them like that. the one without powder is probably going to be very consistent. The only issue is when I've done it without powder is it will stick very bad. If you mm-hmm. go from zero temp all the way up to the actual heat treating temp.
0: But. Yeah, I should mess with it more I'm trying to decide How much I want to outsource and How much I want to do myself Because it's very yeah. convenient Both both are very convenient depending on what I'm up to are, right.
2: the, are the bags puffing up? Like when you pull them out to actually No, no
0: I, I don't feel like they are I, I mean, uh, like the one time I tried the cornstarch baby powder It puffed up, but other than that Actually it blew open with the cornstarch Like it undid the folds Which is crazy yeah uh i think on one of them uh but yeah other than that uh i feel like they suck down hmm
2: yeah i would just imagine it's getting punctured somewhere yeah it
1: it sounds like a like a puncture i
0: i think it is happening in the fold area if it was happening like at the tip i would know uh the the color the the problems i mean i don't know yeah, I'm putting them in tip first into the bags, or at least the last time I've yep. done different things. But the last time tip first into the bag, where the fold is is the not tip, and that's where the discoloration was.
1: Okay. So on the fold. Yeah, I've never had a fold fail before, although I enjoy the differences in our process because I do three folds. Oh that's interesting. But uh I use um so I have I have pretty small quench plates. They're like seven inches long by uh I think two inches wide by two inches thick. So they're mm-hmm. kind of small and they're bolted up to my arbor press. So I actually use the plate, the plates to uh, in the arbor press to crease down mm-hmm. the fold. Oh, gotcha. Um, which always leaves me a really nice, clean, flat fold.
2: Yeah. So that basically disproves that more than two folds is doing it. So right. maybe it's also, maybe it's the way you're actually creasing them together,
0: David. Maybe. Yeah, I could try improving my methods. Yep. Because I. Um, well, I don't know. That's a, <laughs> I can't remember what I was going to say. What are you? Right. What else? What's going on with you this week, Dalen?
1: Uh, let's see. This week is a lot of lost production. Um, it's you know the holiday weekend for Thanksgiving yeah. and all that. Um, so my machinist is out today through Friday. Um, he had he actually requested off Wednesday long long ago for some some other personal reasons. So. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just me at the shop today, tomorrow, and Friday. I was hoping to get my grinder delivered today. Oh, um, yeah. It, it, I didn't. Um, the grinder itself was delivered to my, to the Riggers Warehouse yesterday. Mm-hmm. It did, it did come with some, uh, with some in-transit damage. Oh, oh no. no. It, fortunately, it's not a big deal, at least from a surface level. Um, they put, they put the tie-down straps... Over the ends of the tables where the sheet metal is, and it just buckled in one side of the sheet metal a little bit. Mm. Like they just were being stupid. Um, fortunately, the the riggers I use are awesome, and they um they had the the freight company sign a uh, a bill of damage delivery, and they also took pictures and emailed the freight company for me. Gotcha. But it seems to just be some sheet metal. Shouldn't be a big deal.
2: Do you have any recourse for that? Or are you just gonna okay? Yeah, there's damage on it. Like. Yeah, I mean it is what it is.
1: I'll I'll follow through with, with the emails that they sent the freight company, see if I can ring them for a few hundred bucks, maybe. Um, yeah. it's, you know, if it's fully functional aside from the sheet metal, no big deal. If I get it and like, you know, the table doesn't move or it's like super, you know, jank in some way, then there's gonna be a problem. What did but you
2: I, pay for freight, if you don't mind saying? It was three
1: thousand dollars.
2: I'd be like, Yeah. You guys you I mean, guys I've, charged me
1: three thousand dollars and you obviously mm-hmm. don't know how to
2: move equipment.
1: So Yeah, it's a little bit ridiculous. Um and I'm I'm pretty sure that three thousand dollars wasn't the actual freight cost. I'm pretty sure the the, the machine seller I bought it from probably pocketed a thousand of that and then used the other two thousand to pay freight. Damn. Oh, yeah, so you, maybe you, you, you paid the, the,
2: the dealer then or or whatever the reseller.
1: Yeah, they, and they they built them. in the freight cost and then they and they hired someone. So there's a there's a good chance I you know, it, there's definitely
0: the worry that. that if they mess that up, if anything else could be messed up.
1: Yeah, it's hard saying. I think it's going to be fine.
0: Do you guys yeah, know um, about the like Van Halen M&M's thing? I do not. Know. So like Van Halen would have like a list of things that people needed to do that were setting up as concerts. I think it was oh. Van Halen. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the list yeah, would did, be I like about this, actually, put out a bowl of M&M's, but take out all the brown M&M's. And Van Halen wasn't actually that much of a diva that he didn't want to eat those colored M and M's because M and M's all are the same. Uh, yeah, it was just that if someone skipped that step, then it's like okay, we got to check if they skipped any other step.
1: I love it. That's cool. And yeah. so
0: that's why I ban any M and M's in my shop because <laughs> now I know it'll be super efficient. I'm not gonna let any color of M and M. Oh, that's awesome.
1: That's that's funny. Interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's just a sheet metal. So, um, sadly, the riggers are slammed um this is the time of year where big companies get to spend all of their money to buy machines so they can you know get tax breaks and all that so yeah. it's it's just insane machine install time of the year uh fortunately yeah. they are able to squeeze me in on tuesday so my whole shop gets moved around on tuesday grinder comes in and then i get to run around with like a headless chicken trying to wire everything
2: now i'm gonna guess because your rigor accepted it it was showed up on an actual air ride trailer. Like it was yep, supposed it was an, to be yep.
1: Air ride trailer. It was tarped. Um, I mean, they got it from New Jersey to Phoenix, Arizona in uh, like two and a half days. yeah you know, Which is actually quite impressive in that regards. Um, so yeah, I think, I don't think it'll be a big deal, fortunately. I'm still going to try to follow through with it and squeeze some money out of the freight company because it's kind of ridiculous, but. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm just I'm I'm a little bummed I couldn't get it in the shop and get the shop moved around this week since I already have, you know, three days of downtime. Now I'm gonna have another day of downtime next week. Yeah. Hopefully only a day if I'm lucky, but realistically probably two days. Yeah.
2: Now what is going on with the old grinder? I don't know if you talked to Grant about it.
1: Yeah, so it sounds like the plan is um the old grinder, the Myokamoto is going to the to the riggers warehouse temporarily and then Grant's gonna figure out Freight to get it to his shop. Gotcha. From there, we haven't really worked out anything else other than I don't want it on my floor at the moment. Gotcha. Is
2: the the new one going to go right where the old one was?
1: uh, My whole shop's getting rearranged, so both of my mills are moving, um, so nothing's going to be where it was.
2: Are you doing that just because you're tired of the way it's rearranged, or is it because of the new Um, grinder?
1: No, because I don't have foresight, and uh, I didn't lay out my shop properly, so both of my mills are as close to the garage door as possible, but I have a bathroom that protrudes. So my shop is a giant rectangle, except for a bathroom that protrudes out like halfway along that rectangle. Yep. And so the mills are butted up against the backside of the shop where the garage door is, which means there's now a really tiny gap between one of the machines and the bathroom that nothing else will fit through. I see. So all them, so both mills have to get pushed all the way to the front of the shop so I can then you know expand backwards towards the garage door Mm-mm. because I can't expand from the garage door forwards right now gotcha yep so not well, ideal.
2: well nice yeah good luck with the moving equipment around that's always a fun time
1: yeah I mean I, I have Riders do it I don't move heads Um, it just sucks because I have to re-level the machines you know uh, re-pick up my offsets because things will shift and then um, I have to I have to rewire them as well because I can't I, I couldn't get an electrician in in time so I'm gonna I'm just gonna buy like a hundred foot of giant cable and do a temporary wire install while I wait for the electricians to come in and do it right. Gotcha. Yeah.
2: Nice. Yeah.
1: I think that's really about it. Um, I think I'm finally getting the last ten percent of blade hard milling dialed in that I've been trying to for a while. The run from today is the best it's looked so far, and it looks like it's 99% there now. These are all like
2: uh, tweaks you've been making?
1: Yes. What blade? Uh, the Opus Blades, which are the only blades I hard at the moment because they're sort of production temporarily. Oh, right,
0: you might have said that yep.
1: before. Yeah, so uh, using the, the new OSG tools. Yeah. Yep, which are amazing.
0: I'll be nice to Grant uh, his new... Play design looks pretty awesome.
1: Uh, I think that's amazing.
0: It's so good. I feel like maybe he should make new handles and (laughs) like it be its own thing because it's like
1: it's so yeah. Have you um have you gotten to play around with the OSG tool yet, John? I have not. I'm still Uh, staring at them. I'm excited to to see what your your thoughts on it are. Is did you get a quarter inch or an eighth inch? Quarter inch. Quarter inch. Okay.
2: Yeah, I'm like. I'm gonna use them, but I'm like also nervous for the first run. I'm like,
0: yeah, right. here we go. <laughs> yeah. What are you nervous about?
2: They're just expensive and expensive mm. stuff. Is painful to yep. mess up, I guess.
0: Uh huh. But I thought that these weren't these aren't the four hundred dollars ones. These I no, thought no. they weren't too bad, right?
1: I mean, for a quarter inch ball, they're still moderately expensive. It's probably what like eighty five bucks or something. Oh, yep. okay.
2: Eighty six from MSC. I don't oh. have. I need to talk to an actual
1: yeah you need a you up, half of, cheaper oh uh, well yeah i mean yeah, my, that's, i would be a little worried yeah my i it's mean fun even still my eighth inch ones are 63 dollars each yeah and i buy them 20 at a time at least
2: yeah what oh, i i mean eighth is like the physics are completely different from a quarter wrench but uh-huh. what surface footage and then um i guess i don't know what, yeah what you i mean at?
1: um I'll send you the Feeds and Speeds chart for it as well, but uh, I I actually bumped everything down. There's a little section on the Feeds and Speeds chart where if the angle is 15 degrees or less, they want you to cut everything basically in half. Yeah, interesting. Um, I, I was ignoring that at first, thinking I could get away with it, and it, I almost could. Um, however, for my most recent run, I finally was like, all right, I'm going to be smart. and I, uh, I bumped everything down roughly by half, and I also added a spring pass, because my only issues with my finishes are... Uh, I was getting some some slight graying still, which could be chip dragging, could be something else entirely. Who knows? Yeah.
0: So did you have that rep come into your shop yet?
1: Um, he hasn't or- come in since since his initial visit before I started using the tools. Um, He was going to come in. However, he was sick at the time and then it just hasn't happened since. But uh, he's still been super helpful. I told and, him I was still having some some finish issues, and uh, so I sent him a bunch of pictures, and he's relaying that to the, uh, I guess, one of the engineers that designed these tools. Hmm. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, I wonder if he'd say anything about where he should be, if the 15-degree thing's good, or if it's I bad mean, to do I have talked to fin- him extensively. Uh,
1: spring pass. What's that? I've talked to him, I've talked to him extensively about it, and um, everything that makes my finish better is the exact opposite of what he wants me to do. Okay. Um, So (laughs) even he was like, I don't think I can help you anymore. So we need to put this to someone who can because everything that I that I want you to do is the opposite of what you apparently need to be doing. So
2: you're following a chart they have like on the website.
1: Yeah, you just go to the to their a brand, the Uh, A.E.B.N.H. They have a feeds and speeds chart. And um, I think on the eighth inch they want. uh, Since you get to, you know, you have a fourth axis, you can you don't have to worry about that 15 degree. Uh, it wants on, like, 58 to 62 Rockwell, it's anywhere from, like, 400 to 550 surface footage, which is more than all of our RPM. And gotcha. it wants something like 1 thou and 2 tenths chip load, which is something stupid. <sighs> mm. uh, but it I wants, mean, that
0: seems like a lot of tools, yeah. a thou is around where it always ends up being.
1: Not for hard milling. Well, I guess so, that's true. Yeah, but... Uh, for, but that that's the finishing s- specifically, but they want a really shallow depth of cut. They want like a 2,000 depth of cut. Gosh, which is yeah. already what my finishing is typically anyway, so. Yeah,
2: that's that's what I was doing anyways. Yep.
1: Yeah. And I mean,
2: I think I was doing, it's like, do you really know until, yep. you know, you can CMM it?
1: Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I mean yeah. you're... You're probably going to get some real, like much better results than even I've been getting because you have the fourth axis and you can, you know, you can control the contact angle entirely.
2: Yeah, that surface footage thing is pretty crazy. The higher up on the ball you go.
1: They just want all the surface footage. Yeah. Give it all of it. Hmm. Although in my case, I actually did bump it down. I think I'm running it. What's 7500 RPM on a uh, on a eighth inch tool? It's like 240 surface footage, I think.
2: Not sure.
1: So yeah, I think I'm running like 240 surface footage, and I'm running like I think a five tenth chip load. That's not that. That's program chip load. That's not chip thinning chip load. But yeah,
2: and uh, tool life is pretty good.
1: Tool life. Um, I mean i I need a pallet. Um, and it looks like this round gave me a good pallet.
2: So you're what are you roughing? Like what are you roughing? Semi finish and obviously full finishes with this this tool. Are you roughing with a just a standard ball or is it another one of these? Or? I'm
1: I have 3 of these exact same tool in there. One for roughing, one for semi-finish, one for finish. Oh my and God. then and then you every do a single run. Passes. Yeah, and I do a spring pass with the finish, but every single run of a of a fresh pallet, I retire the finisher to the semi-finisher and I retire the semi-finisher to the rougher. So it's one tool every run. Gotcha. But that that tool does all three operations throughout its life. Um, How many many total sides is that? That is uh, six bevels, so three finished blades. Gotcha. Yep. But uh, in typical fashion, this has happened to me a lot in the past, where I'll get one good pallet, and I'll think everything's dialed, and then the next run is just entirely different. Hmm. And I don't know why. I mean, and it'll be from the same batch of heat-treated parts, even. Hmm. And I have a hardness tester now and we hardness test all of our all of our blade blanks and they all come out to like between 58 and a half to like 59 and a half.
2: Yeah, there are so many variables when you're chasing around the very edge of things that right. So annoying. I mean, it could Mm -hmm. even be like the temperature in the room is a little different. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah.
1: who knows? Yeah, it's even even more frustrating because the finish itself, like it's a really crisp finish. Yeah. But I'm getting this like, if you catch it in the light just right, then you'll see these little these little bands of gray in some areas. Mm-hmm. And like I've looked at it with like a thirty times loop, and I can't see the gray when I'm that far up. Yeah, it's I, like it's just light dancing on it, weird. But it but it kind of persists through tumbles still, and it's 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 been driving me insane. Yeah, hmm. Is,
2: I, that that stuff's. There's so much annoying little stuff, and I'm like, man, human eyes are way too good at seeing changes Dude, in I light.
1: Um, I know, like, oh if mind. I was going, I, I wish I was doing smooth bevels because I know I could get a full palette of like completely crisp finishes. I could probably get two palettes of completely crisp finishes if I was doing a smooth bevel. Yeah,
2: I have like a internal battle between like, do you make the cusp so low that you can't see the individual cusp, or do you actually make it high enough to be like an appropriate chip thickness and then tumble it out. Cause it's like, that's still a peak and it, right. It, so it's like, can you tumble the peak to the Valley? If the, if the cuspite is pretty big versus like the small cuspite. Yeah. yeah. I'm so like, like, I feel like you could get away with it, but in practice you just it t- it's tumbling It takes so much longer yeah. with a wide. I mean, wide there
1: curve. are, there are, you know, there are mold shops out there that are making molds and dyes that are essentially polished off of their machine. Yeah. Like, and so, you know, you have to imagine the chip loads and cuspites on that are like millionths instead of tenths. I mean, and that's
2: what, that's what I'm doing. Because, <laughs> I mean, yeah. what's, what is a, a, uh, just even like a fourth 4,000 step over on a quarter inch ball? That's in the millions. It should be, yeah. Yeah, and then, The other issue is, um, at least for this, it's like when Fusion gives you a surface footage, I can't tell if it takes it. I'm pretty certain it doesn't take into account the actual contact. No,
1: it's just the diameter.
2: Yeah, so it's like you're not you're kind of guessing unless you know the exact angle, and the issue is because of the hologram, you don't know the exact angle at that exact point. Yep, and then. I don't know there's so much like stuff going on but right and another thing I was thinking of is like when you have like a surface finish call out it is like a cusp pipe call out mm-hmm. and I'm like machines at the end of the day if you're using an end mill are going to create lines like that yes. is going to happen and so mm-hmm. I'm like but then I'm, I'm like I don't know it's just like I don't want the lines. I wish people uh-huh. would accept
1: the lines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, I, I'm on the opposite boat where I wish I could go smooth, but people want people really want my that that 45 degree textured, you know. Yeah. step over. Yeah. That's I wish pretty I could cool be smooth. but
0: uh, do you think that like there's uh, other ways you could do it? Like you could do the same 45 degree step over, but like if it was slightly bigger or slightly smaller, you know, a different tool or something it would change the difficulty.
1: I mean, CBN, three millimeter ball CBN. That's the next step I'm going to take if I can't get what I'm looking for off these. But I did get a pallet that was good today. I you're doing to
0: the do 45s it. with uh, what size?
1: Eighth inch ball. Yeah. So I, mean, I could maybe try a larger diameter ball. It would it would change the look a bit. I'd have to make the step over. A little bit bigger, maybe. I could do like a three ball.
2: The well, the thing with doing that is like you go from a one eighth to a three sixteenths. Your cuspite, like if you keep everything the same, you do have to change the your service footage completely changes. Yes, but it does. You're essentially gaining a.
1: You're lowering the cuspite so much, like in I, yeah, which I actually don't want because I want that forty five degree. Um. You know. I just
0: thinking of like how I've experimented with all sorts of uh, engraving patterns and fake knurling. And uh, it's kind of surprising what you can do. like I-, I think I think you might be surprised how close you could get the look, even though you'd think like, oh, the cuspite is going to be like way less you' going have way less steep of ridges or whatever defining yep. it. I-, I think it still could look like super similar.
1: Um, it'll look at the end of the day, it'll look really similar. Um, part of it is I'm 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 pretty locked into eighth inch and I really don't want to have to buy a three. No, I think hydraulic. I don't
0: think you should reinvent the wheel. It sounds like you've basically dialed think, in a process and you change uh, something well, like that, you'd have to spend much time dialing it again.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've thought that about probably 30 or 40 times so far, and then the next palette will prove me wrong for seemingly well, no reason. So, we'll see.
0: But uh, I'm just saying that I think there is like compromise, uh, you know where you yep. guys are talking about smooth versus some texture or whatever. And like, I think you can find kind of a middle ground a little bit.
1: I mean, I know in my case, I I would get pretty much perfect blades if I went smooth. <laughs> I know the tools can do it. It's, um, I'm just abusing the tools because of the 45 pattern that I'm doing. I don't know. You,
2: you do the smooth and you get this one erroneous line right in the middle. You're like, what the?
1: It's weird because when I was doing smooth in the past, i I wasn't getting weird erroneous lines, but I was getting that that vibration induced um waving. Yeah, which funny enough, I think was from me having uh my rapids too fast.
2: Yeah, well, you know, it's funny when I was doing that for G Wiz that uh-huh. the spindle warm up thing today. I was yep. like, I wonder what it actually is. Just on the cartridge, at like o- over ten thousand RPM, the indicator bounces. Interesting i mean it doesn't bounce much but it moves yep. and that is that, also
1: over how many inches that thing was stuck out all the way it's probably what seven inches eight inches
2: uh it's just it might have visually looked like that but it was just straight down from the cartridge on the the way the holder is okay um but it's like you know that vibration is translating into it is, whatever yep. is being cut yep. and that's I mean, there's just a- the machine mo- bouncing essentially
1: there's a reason the the, you know, mold and die makers are using these super obscure linear motor special dual column machines to make their polished molds. Yeah. And they weigh
2: like 100000 pounds because uh-huh. weight, weight plays a huge role into it.
1: It does. Yep. yep. And 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 what mass is actually moving. Yeah. Well,
0: I think you guys are going to have to get uh, some EDM machines to cut your bevels. Hell no. (laughs) (laughs) Just make whatever graphite shape you want and plunge it into the steel.
1: That'd be an interesting way to go about it. Well, I don't know if you can get a good enough finish with a sinker. Oh, no? I don't know. I've never seen...
0: I thought that's how a lot of complex molds are made, where uh, it'd be too hard to machine.
1: It is, but... They usually go through hand polishing afterwards. I don't know how good of a finish you can get off of a sinker. It could be good. I don't know. I've never really done a lot of sinking. I've done a fair bit of EDM work and getting a like
0: a really, really,
1: yeah, wire EDM. I've done a lot of wire EDM work and like trying to get like a really like polished looking finish off of that was nigh impossible. Hmm. It's always a kind of matte finish. Like you can get a decent RA, but it's always like a kind of matte. Black oh well, that's that's what I was
0: considering. Good because it's like not a bunch of vibrations from a machine in the same way. It's just yeah, it's matte. But then you you know polish it, tumble it, whatever.
1: Yep. I do. I do wonder if they would if that tumble out nicely. It might.
0: That's what someone was suggesting I should do for my <laughs> blades, and I uh, think they're probably expensive enough.
1: Right. I mean, I'd love to see a wire EDM in my future to like you know. Basically, do the majority of the blades.
0: Yeah, I think maybe someone has done that wire EDM like a you know, bevel off of a blade.
1: It'd be, I mean, it'd be very possible, and all things considered, not that difficult to do. You just need a, you need a a wire EDM where the the top head and the and the bottom head can move independently.
0: It, what uh wouldn't that take like eight hours or something too though?
1: It'd be, it'd be a long cut. It'd probably be like. 30 minutes aside, which is about the equivalent of my machine time anyway. Wow,
0: okay. Interesting.
1: Huh. Yeah, wire idioms can go, I mean, it always seems slow, but they can go quicker than you think.
0: Well, I mean, should we wrap up?
1: Probably a good time to wrap up. I think we're just rambling now.
0: Before this podcast takes as long as an EDM cycle?
1: <laughs> jokes. David's got jokes. Oh wow, tonight. we're actually at an hour. Holy crap. All right. Goodbye everybody. Bye. Goodbye. Enjoy your Thanksgiving.
2: Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving.